just understanding that it's okay to not be hands-on it's okay your kid will be fine if you trust the person that you've enlisted to coach your kid or teach your kid back up and let them do their job that they've been hired to do this is the reform sports project a podcast about restoring healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy hi this is nick bonacore from the reform sports podcast Today, I'm welcoming back Coach Othello O.T. Johnson to the pod. Coach Johnson is in his 13th season at the helm of the UNCU Pembroke Wrestling Program. He is also a sports parent and the founder of Johnson Athletic Camps. O.T. and I discuss his new role as a softball parent, the importance of letting others teach and coach your children, and his perspective on today's college recruiting landscape. My man, I mean, this one is near and dear to my heart. He was a guest early on, a couple years ago, right when the pod went live. A lot has changed since then. Now my son is wrestling for him in college, uh, turned into a really good friend, just a great human being, the head wrestling coach at the University of North Carolina, Pembroke, Othello O.T. Johnson. Coach, thanks so much for hopping out, man. Oh, man, appreciate you, man. Thanks for bringing me back. You know, trying to be one of the OGs to, you know, get a second invitation. I don't know why. I mean, obviously, he's had Coach J.C. Hoyt on this joint. You have Dabble on here. You have Coach Murphy. I mean, I don't know what the heck. Maybe you just feeling sorry for me to bring me back on. But, hey, we're going to make it happen. Let's get it. Listen, like I said, now my son's wrestling for you. We've been through that whole process. But another thing that's gone on here in the last few years I've heard from you is, I mean, obviously, you're a parent. You're a sportsman. But you've turned into, like, softball dad, right? You're a softball dad. You're a softball coach. And man, listen, I, I've got, you know, I've been on the baseball scene, but I've heard, you know, I've been around softball plenty and I've talked to plenty of people involved. What does that look like, man? I mean, you and your wife, both phenomenal athletes in college and coaches yourselves, both of you, what's it like being on the, on the travel softball scene as parents? Man, I have seen some crazy parents, man. <laughs> you know, when you hear the term people living through their kids, these freaking parents are literally living through their kids. And Nick, I think one of the greatest things that happened to my wife and myself and our kids, our daughter, the one that's currently on the travel scene, is the fact that, you know, we've both played at the highest level, at least for us. You know, we've played at the college level. And I think each and every day, we don't have to scratch an itch like some of these parents feel like they need to. And they try to live vicariously to their kids. You know, I think I think that's one of the most alarming things in the world now, not just with sports parents, but specifically as we're speaking of sports parents, you know, is that they feel like if their kid does well, you know, that validates their their parenting. And it's the furthest thing from the truth. So I watch it from within our team. I watch it from within other teams. As you're walking out of the stadium from these tournaments, you hear parents just digging in on their, their daughters, you know. And honestly, Nick, some of these parents... I don't know if they care if their kid's team win or not. Sometimes they just want to make sure that they can get a good picture of their kid in the uniform, whether it's a, a live plan or if it's just them on the field. For them, that's the validation that they get is that click. And, you know, they want to be able to get an at-bat for their kids. So when their kid hits the ball, they have enough pictures. And people people are crazy, man. They're able to fabricate their stats. You know, it's, it's, it's youth softball, so... How many people on Facebook are going to go back and, and validate what truly happened? I mean, honestly, no one really cares. So no one cares to go back and validate those things. And, and so some people are, are, are willing to fabricate the truth and, and make up things just so they can get the clicks from their buddies. And, you know, so when they go to the wine and cheese crowd, you know, oh, my God, Susie is doing so well in softball. Aren't you so proud of her? 
some people that's all they want to hear and that's sick it is sick it's disgusting and what we've noticed is when these girls don't make the gains that their moms or dads think they should be making they quit you know i'm not gonna name any names but i've seen one of the most disgusting things that i've ever seen a kid that was playing on our team you know uh, some some time back didn't have the game that her parents wanted to have so at the end of the game our coach again mind you this guy has no child on the team we were able to convince him to start this team back up so you know our daughter you know selfishly speaking can have someone outside of us to coach her so this man is doing it for free him and his wife take time out of their busy lives from their jobs and his business to do this for free because he loves the sport of softball obviously his daughter went on to play division one softball and this man is giving us post-tournament speech and he gets interrupted by the parent. And this parent yells at her daughter to come on, let's go. And then we all like, we're dumbfounded. Like, what's going on? And the daughter doesn't move. And the parent yells at the daughter, da-da-da-da-da, get over here now. And so, one, you're embarrassed for the daughter because now this parent, you know, is so within themselves because their daughter didn't get as much playing time in a certain position. And now you put the coach in a crazy spot. You put your daughter in a crazy spot because not all of her friends at 13 years old or wondering like is this parent crazy which the parent was crazy at the time so you know just watching that scenario let me know my goodness man i'm so happy that i play college sports and i'm so happy that i see every day in my program what some of these kids have to go through because their parents want them to be so good so much in the sport and then forget the real life lessons that their kids are supposed to get out of athletics and i think we're in for it i think it's going to get worse unfortunately and I think uh, people only see the small piece of it because they're only watching the power fives on TV and they don't see what really goes down in the trenches. So, you know, as a softball parent, it's wild. So I want to unpack that a little bit because a lot of stuff you said I can I can certainly relate to from coaching standpoint from I've been very fortunate I haven't had that crazy of a situation, but I've had like, you know, the circles that form over here and it's almost like rebellion and then it's like these clicks apparent and it's like it's like middle school again like oh we're gonna do this you know we're gonna start this team and it's like what what is this all about so you mentioned you know being a college athlete was an advantage and i argue that as well if you played at a certain level it kind of allows you to take a step back and i love how you said you don't have to scratch that itch right you 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 feel fulfilled in your own athletic career it's not about you anymore but how do you separate you're in a unique position because you are a high-level college coach. I mean, you coach one of the best Division II wrestling programs in the country, right now currently ranked in the top 10 nationally. So how do you compartmentalize the coaching aspect and the sports parent aspect? Because you obviously want to see your daughter succeed, and you're a competitor. Do you have to – because I almost feel like at times we need to give people – examples on how to pause i feel like the word pause is so critical because listen i'll get hyped up watching my kids compete like and get excited for them but i feel like i'm at a point where i can take a step back and just be the fan so how do you become the fan versus the coach's enemy or get over about like where does the line get crossed with overzealous like crazy sports pair do you think well as i say all those things as a competitor you know as a competitor i understand that the end goal is to win I'm not discounting that fact. We want to win. So in the process of trying to win, we have to make sure the girls practice the right way. They show up when they're supposed to show up. And, you know, uh, my daughter has missed one practice for her travel ball team. One. And that one practice she missed was because she wanted to attend 
the ceremony for a long time standing head coach at UNCP, Coach B.J. Smith's ceremony at UNCP. So she's missed one practice for her travel ball team, one. And so it's never been about her winning or her getting this shine. It's always been about, you know, instilling these, you know, these behaviors, these life characteristics in her. Hey, when you sign up for a thing, you got to show up for that thing. And the result is irrelevant. The fact of the matter is, you know, we're going to instill in you that, hey, you say you want to be a softball player on this team, you're going to show up. You know, we've left family vacations early to get back to be there for our practices. I think some of the issues with some people is that, you know, they only want to play when it's time to play games. You know, the games are won before you ever step out there. And I think one of the issues that some of these parents struggle with is that, you know, they sign up for something, they're overzealous with how cool it sounds, but they don't understand the commitment that it's going to take to get their daughter to practice every single time. You know, and, and, and some people might think we're crazy, but... Nick, come on. I know what an injury is. I know when a girl is hurt or when a guy is hurt. You know, some people freak out when their daughter rolls her ankle the wrong way. Well, at the end of the day, you know, she's going to get up. She'll be fine. I don't need to run out there. My wife doesn't run out there. Coach Johnny, most time, we don't need him to run out there. One, she has to learn how to compete with herself mentally. And two, she has to learn that, hey, if this was the championship game of the, uh, you know, the Dixie Youth World Series, is she going to pull herself out? Is she going to want to be involved? And I think some people misunderstand the life lesson that the sports will teach, you know, before the competition ever starts. So for us, we've been there. We understand that. And honestly, you know, my wife coaches high school ball, varsity basketball, and varsity volleyball. So we've seen crazy parents on both the college level and in the high school level. We've dealt with crazy parents. And so I think that puts us in a better position you know, unfortunately and fortunately to, to, to be able to deal with, you know, crazy when we see it, but also to pull ourselves back and say, hey, this is her moment. This is their moment. And the funny thing about that is, you know, we have a younger daughter that we allow to play, but, you know, she had an offer <laughs> to go play on a travel ball 8U team, a travel 8U team. One, my wife and I made a joke about it. Ruby got her first offer to play on a travel eight U team. What the heck am I, what's a seven year old going to go travel to play for? Like, come on. One, we're all over the place right now as parents with our own responsibility as coaches. And two, we have an older daughter that never did any of these things. She never became serious about sports, you know, to a point where we say, okay, well, she does want to do it till about 11 years old. So why the heck would we even bother putting our seven year old in that position to get that serious about it that, you know, because, you know, Murphy is watching and he's getting ready to come get her at eight years old, you know, <laughs> you know, or, or the coach at UNCP. I'll use that since it's closer to home is watching her at eight years old so she can come and uh, recruit her. Come on. You know, so I think being in the, in the trenches as athletes and being in the trenches as coaches kind of, you know, put a lot of things in perspective for us. And it saved us. I ain't going to lie. It saved us a, a whole hell of a lot of money and, and a whole lot of family time. So uh, I'm not sure if I completely answered your question, but. And I think, I think being in the trenches really helped us. And, and both of us being in the trenches as college athletes, not give my wife most of the credit. I mean, she was a dog, man. She played basketball and ran track and cross country in college. So she doesn't need a, she doesn't need to scratch that edge. She's doing it now because she wants to be around athletics and she wants to see growth in female sport. And as a female helping young girls, she gets validation from that. Not, not to see Nora, you know, be the best on our team which you know the goal is to be the best and to work to be the best but if she's not you know it doesn't it doesn't change anything it doesn't change what kind of love we have for her i was thinking about this earlier because you know you and i came together through the sport of wrestling obviously and and uh i had never and I, i was thinking about this recently because my second oldest son tyler is uh 
you know, he's in a senior high school and, and he's going to be, you know, done wrestling here in another, you know, another little bit of time uh, as the season winds down. And, you know, you and I, you know, Willie Hilton, shout out Sly Fox Wrestling Cover. Boy, we always chat about kind of the history. And as I said, lately, I've been getting a little nostalgic about it. But, um, you know, one of the things that I think attracted me so much to the sport of wrestling, and I would argue that every sports parent should do this if they have some sort of background in a particular sport. Up until Tyler and Avery got involved with wrestling, my kids were only involved in sports that I had played. I was coaching right. football, and I played high school football. Um, I was coaching baseball. I played collegiate and a little professional baseball. I played basketball, rec basketball. I was coaching basketball. They were playing that. So up until rest, I think I introduced them to lacrosse, but they really weren't you know into it that much. But up until wrestling – and I fell in love with the sport because it was the first time that I could be a parent and not know what the hell I was talking. I had nothing to offer from a from a, a standpoint of like advice. You know, I know what right. I know what effort is. I know what competing is. I know what listening to the coaches. Shout out to Willie again. Like first time he went into Sly Fox Wrestling Club, and you've probably heard this before. Tyler and Avery are there, and. I think Tyler was one, one or two of them. They were, they were talking or whatever. And I think I, I, I yelled, I didn't yell, but I was like, Hey guys, pay attention. And Willie just looked over to me and said, Nick, I got it. And I was like, all right, I'm done. Like, I don't got to ever say a word <laughs> right then and there. I knew I was in the right club, but from that experience, it allowed me to step back. And I was like, I can't offer advice if I wanted to about technique or how they can get better. And I was like, man, I think this is the way it's supposed to be. I'm just supposed to sit back and like, enjoy watching them compete. They say ignorance is bliss. And I uh-huh. think that was the first time that I really, you know, experienced that. And it, and it unlocked this like different perspective where it almost took a lot of pressure off. Like I don't call it reform sports project for any reason. I used to be, I got caught up in those weeds. So I almost feel like if parents can get involved with something they don't know and just enjoy the moment, it can really right open things up. And, and I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I, I think oh, it was man. good. Man, I have a I have an amazing story. R.I.P. P.J. Smith, you know the goat. So when my wife and I were in uh, grad school, uh, Coach Smith, legend, UNCP athletics, D two Hall of Famer, wrestling Hall of Famer. He taught hundreds of people, probably thousands of people. He's taught thousands of people swim lessons at UNCP. And when we got there, you know, one of the ways that Coach knew he could give back to his wrestler, former wrestler, the people involved in the sport, and just student athletes in general, students that wanted to work and grind, was he would hire students in the summer to do swim school. And so he hired us. We freaking both went and got our swimming certification to be swim instructors, and we did the swim school for a couple of years. And then when Nora became of age to uh, take the swim lessons, you know, we kind of like dropped her off because she, she did the first class you know and and so we put her down there and she's getting ready to do the swimming and she's bawling her eyes out yelling and i get up and try to go over there try to help her out and coach smith said get out of here what do you think because you work here you're going to get special treatment and i'm like oh my god <laughs> a light bulb went off nick and i'm like the dude's freaking right this is not your domain like is your child if you want to teach swimming go teach another class let your kid be you know let your kids suffer there's nothing wrong with that. And from there on, my wife and I would get up to the pool. We'll drop her off. We'll walk downstairs. We'll go walk around the Jones building, maybe grab basketball and just go shoot around. She'll beat me up in a quick game of uh, a one-on-one. And then an hour later, we'll come back up there. And, you know, we did that for the first couple of times. And she'll cry when we leave. And then when we get back, she'll be fine. And so just understanding that it's okay to not be hands-on, it's okay. Your kid will be fine. If you trust the person... 
that you've enlisted to coach your kid or teach your kid back up and let them do their job that they've been hired to do. You know, it is about your kid learning to be around other people, trust other people and learn from other people. You're not going to be the only teacher in your kid's life. And, and we do that all the time for teachers in school. We'll freaking drop our kids off in the morning and leave them for damn near eight hours. Best time of the day, by the way. Oh, my God, I love it. You know? So then what the heck do we feel like, you know, as athletes, former athletes, or people that watch YouTube and watch how to throw a softball, what kind of validation do I have that I have to go get in the coach's face to say, hey, Nor, do this, this. No, shut up, OT. Go sit down over there. If I'm helping out, and I think it's been one of the greatest things, and sometimes my wife gets mad at me, like, you don't have anything to say? No, I don't have anything to say. And you remember this, Nick, when uh, Nora got involved a couple years ago and I was asking you some cues. I'm like, okay, what? It's not my thing. So I'm going to, and we, we've been super lucky, man. I mean, Coach Brady has been awesome. His family has been awesome to the girls on the Wildcats team. You know, to have someone, again, he doesn't have a dog in the fight. The only dog he has in the fight is he loves the sport and he wants to see the sport grow in our county. You know, it's just to back up and just let it be. And I think, again, that, 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 that interaction with Coach Smith and Nor uh, in swim lessons was one, I think, one of the best lessons I learned as a young parent. And that lesson has gone with me a long time. And, you know, and, and I think you had, uh, oh my God, who was it you had on the pod? Uh, uh, Alexi. He, talk, he talked about people paying for their kids to play things, you know. And, and I'll be the first one to say, we pay for private lessons for our daughter to pitch, we pay for private basketball lessons for her to get ball handling skills because. It gets her away from us, and it gets her listening to someone else. And you can attest to this. When you coach your kid, it's like you got double horns on your head. They don't listen to you, and, you know, they think you're crazy. That same exact lesson you're trying to teach them, someone else that's not mom or dad starts teaching them that lesson. They're all ears, they're focused, and they do it. And you got to make a decision. Are you investing your kid enough to let someone else teach them the same thing you're teaching them? Or are you such a great coach, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, you know, Marvin Lewis and, and Tony Dungy and all those people that you're not going to step off and let someone else do, do the work for you that you believe they're not to do. My wife is a great basketball player, but, you know, she understands and I understand that, hey, one, that gives us time to just sit back and relax and watch and see how she responds to someone else. And two, it gives her a chance and it gives them a chance to absorb teaching and coaching from someone else. So I think that's one of the biggest advantage of not knowing a sport that well is the fact that you can step back, let someone else coach your kid, let someone else educate your kid, just like we do in education. You know, for us, for people that are not teachers, you let other people educate your kid on a daily basis, five days a week. So why not do the same when you get you have an athlete that you think is aspiring to be the best? And I think people miss that point. And so you have all these daddy ball coaches that, you know, just got off the couch and, you know, watched a couple of YouTube videos and they want to go and, uh, you know, be the next you know, Dabo and Coach Tosinski and, and, and Warren Williams. So I, th- I think uh, I think people missed the boat there. You know, and there, there's only one Josh Smith. There's only one Kale Sanderson. You know, those guys are where they are. And they've been there for how long they've been there because, you know, they understand athletes. They understand coaching. They understand more than the, you know, the single legs and double legs. They understand how to motivate people. And that's why they've lasted so long in their, in their domain. When we return, OT and I discuss recruiting and the transfer portal. Before we go to break, I've got another exciting announcement for you. TeamSnap, the leading provider of sports management software, has acquired Mojo. 
In addition to the best-in-class sports management solutions used by more than 2 million daily active users and 19,000 sports organizations, TeamSnap will now offer Mojo's award-winning library of games, drills, and session-by-session support for youth coaches, as well as robust interactive multimedia tools, including live streaming for families and fans to engage on and off the field. The combination of the two industry-leading consumer tech platforms also creates the most comprehensive suite of B2B tools available for youth sports organizations, including powerful content distribution capabilities to drive adoption of coaching and training programs, registration tools, payment processing, organizational management tools, and much more. To learn more, visit www.teamsnap.com and set up a free demo to learn how TeamSnap can help your organization this season. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Where we left off, OT and I were about to discuss how NIL has impacted sports at the D2 level and the current college recruiting landscape. I want to dig in a little bit with you because first and foremost, you are coaching at the, you know, the highest level of Division II. And there's been a lot that's changed since last time you came on the pod. Um, you know, NIL was talked about. Of course, the transfer portal was in play, but name, image, likeness, NIL has become, I mean, mainstream. I mean, it seems like every single day, the landscape of college athletics and recruiting and and everything has just changed so much, you know, at the quote unquote power five level, which I'm sure there'll be a new name for that here soon. Um, it's, it's pro sports, you know, particularly in football and basketball. But what does the landscape look like, I guess, from, you know, the way all the shifting has taken place from a recruiting standpoint? How has that impacted the Division two level? And if you could just kind of give us your perspective on, on the way the college landscape is right now. Well, I mean, I, I think I, I, I will brag on you and Avery and just your family in general. I think I think no matter where this goes, including for Power Five, there's nothing that's ever going to replace the relationship aspect of recruiting. You know, and I like to credit all the guys that I've had helped me out with coaching, assistant coaches that have gone on to now currently running their own programs, and just you know, and my mentors that I've had in the past, Coach Coach Gibbs, that that, that really helped me understand. You know, if you want to be a great recruiter. You know, being a great recruiter makes you a great coach. You know, you're going to recruit the right kids and you're going to have to build relationships, you know. And, and some days I wonder sometimes, man, am I putting too much into this where it's taken away from my, my own family? And, and yes, that's that's the sacrifice I have to make. And I think watching my daughter being able to do what she does, you know, she's heard me on phone calls. You know, sometimes she had to quiet her sister down. Hey, be quiet. Dad is on the phone with a recruit. Nothing replaces that relationship that you build with an athlete. They have to trust you. You know, a lot of these coaches that just run up to a kid when they see him at a big tournament and do well and all of a sudden start making offers to him, you know, we're all motivated in some way, form or fashion by money, right? And so when someone comes diggling and dangling uh, uh, an offer in front of you, uh, X amount of dollars, you forget sometimes, you know, hey, wait a minute, there's another part of this that I need to uh, remember. You know, my recruiting process is bigger than just how much money someone can offer me. And so... When you talk about recruiting, we always make sure that the assessment COVID time where people can visit campus, we try to get every single kid on our campus 
no matter how long we talk to them, no matter how great the relationship is, you need to be in the physical with us, around us, in our domain to feel that connection, you know, so to speak. And and if you don't do that, for me, you know, it's really hard for me to feel comfortable bringing you on our roster, bringing you in our program, bringing you into our campus, bringing you into UNC Pembroke, you know. We don't want everyone at UNCP. We don't need everyone at UNCP. It takes a special person to be a brave wrestler. You have to be brave tough. You can start off as brave, but eventually you're going to have to become tough and we need to find out, does this person have the potential to be brave tough? You know, and can they stay with us for four or five years if it takes that long for them to exhaust the eligibility with redshirting? And so I think a lot of times there are a lot of dudes and, and girls out there that, that miss that boat on the relationship aspect of the recruiting process. And when they do that, it's when you see the max exodus in these programs with the portal. And another thing, Nick, just about... 99% of the kids I've recruited, I've made sure when they made a decision, and in most cases, not us, because our board is usually 60 to 70 guys big, we're not going to get all those guys. I make sure I keep a good relationship with those kids and congratulate them wherever they go. Because again, like you said, we're talking about the portal, right? Sure. That portal is jumping right now. And in about two and a half months, from a wrestling standpoint, it's going to be jumping even more. And I can't wait. I love the portal. I think it's probably one of the greatest things because the coaches that tell a kid, well, good luck. We're going to pin you and wrestle you, or you made the worst decision of your career. You no longer have an end to that kid because you didn't respect their decision. It's their decision. So you should respect their decision on where they want to go, where they feel comfortable at the time. You know, and if something changed in their life, if a coach leaves and they decide, okay, well, I came here for this coach, reality check. Most kids go to most schools for their coach, unless you're going to a specific school that has a specific major, a specific program. That no matter what, if that school didn't have your sport, you're going to go there anyways. Most kids are going to most program because they respect the coach. They have a great relationship with the coach. And, you know, they, the school happened to have the sport they want. So I think the portal is a blessing in disguise if it's used properly. And I also think it's a, it's a, it's a curse. You know, I think I want to point out because Avery went through the recruiting process with you and he, he committed to you and UNCP the day after the state tournament, his junior year. So, I mean, from a Division II standpoint, in today's era, some would say he committed early. You know what I mean? Even though I think a junior committing is, is not early. He knew he wanted to go. He uh-huh. he had the relationship with you, the rapport, and, and you know, checked all the boxes. Like, we would have known if something would have popped off from other schools later on down the road, even if he hadn't committed, they didn't put the time in when he was kind of, I don't want to say a diamond in the rough, but still kind of making his name for himself. It would have been real easy after he won the state title as a senior for, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, come here, come here. But you had already put the legwork in as early as possible. And that was an easy decision for him. But what I thought was was the most interesting piece of the whole, you know, recruiting process, you know, going on his official visit. And then, of course, you sit down in the room was, you know, when you offered Avery, there was no pressure. Right. And I've heard stories, I actually heard I mean, you and I texted about it and we're not going to say who it is. We heard coaches like put a timestamp on offers to kids like, hey, you need to let me know ASAP with you. It was, hey, we'd love to have you come here. Here's the package that we're offering you now. There's incentives if you do well your senior year and this can go up, yada, yada, yada. But go visit other schools. Take your time. Go see other places. Like I remember you saying, like, we want to make sure I need to make sure that when you come here, you want to come here. There was no sense of urgency on your end. You let them know you wanted them, but at the same time, make sure when you commit here, it's where you want to be. So go see everywhere, go visit everywhere, go do it. And I think that that's so critical, but that also takes a tremendous amount of confidence because as a program, like you said, 
you got to be able to tell people, no, you can't welcome everybody. Like you have to be selective, but it seems like today it's, it's people just want to jump on the quickest offer. Are you ever at a point where you're like, God, if we don't put a timestamp on this kid, do you ever have the fear of missing out? Like if I don't, okay. So how do you, how do you manage that? To answer that question? Yes. But I also go back to, Hey, our philosophy here, it takes a special person to believe in what we're doing. And honestly, I'll give everybody the trick here. This is the game that our counterparts play on us. They don't want the kids they're recruiting that we're recruiting to come on our campus because they know when they come on our campus, they're like, holy smokes, this is a freaking paradise you guys have going here. UNCP, UNC paradise. Let's get it. (laughs) So, you know, you got to remember now, you're talking about 17, 18-year-old kids that are making, in my opinion, the, the biggest decision of their young adult life. So they need to get it right. You know, they need to get it right. And if I'm putting pressure on them, you know, giving them seven days, giving them 10 days, whatever it may be, when push comes to shove and they're in the trenches, they might remember that. Oh, my God, I remember when Coach pushed pressure on me about making a decision. You know, I need to know now if you're going to come here. You know, and that doesn't sit well with kids, and it doesn't sit well with their parents, you know, no matter what you say. You know, so when we encourage kids to go take visits, I understand, and we've lost kids to that because we give them free reign to, you know, shop themselves around, so to speak. And so that has come across my mind numerous times, especially if, you, if there's one of our guys higher on our board, you know, especially early in the process, you know, with Avery, you know, I have pictures of Avery when he was in, you know, the, the fourth grade, fifth grade, whatever it may be. So with him, I was comfortable with him. I was confident, you know, he wrestled at a club with a, with a UNCP wrestling All-American alumni. So um, I knew everything about Avery that I needed to know to know that, hey, he's going to be a fit here and he's going to enjoy it here because we have the right group of guys in place. And I think having that confidence in myself as a coach, as a man, you know, and knowing that I can't replace you and Amy, but I'm going to be the best representation of you guys in your absence while Avery's here for four or five years, whatever it may be, lets me know that, hey, when he makes that decision, there's going to be no second guessing. And that other coaches can't confidently say that. And it doesn't hurt that I've been here for, you know, 17 years either. So I think a lot of parents get that comfortability knowing that their kid is not going to go somewhere where the coach is going to be jumping ship every other year to find the next best thing. You know, and I think that's one of the other things that's lost. And that's why the transfer board, like we talked about, is so hot. And, you know, you get over 2,500 kids in it every year, you know, because there's no stability in college coaching, regardless of division. You know, a lot of people are jumping ship to go to the next hot thing. And so I put that peace of mind in parents' minds. I put that peace of mind in kids' mind. You know, the kids may not be thinking it, but I'm recruiting the parents just as much as I'm recruiting the kids. I was definitely, I, mean, I must, as far as parents go, if I wasn't like top one or two on the board, I, I'd be pissed off right now. I mean, you're definitely up there. <laughs> you know, you're, 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 you're 1.5 and you're fighting for that other half to get to, get, to, get to number one. So I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there. But, you know, at the end of the day, Nick, I do have that fear that I'm going to lose one of my top guys because, you know, there are people out there that don't do it right, you know, and, 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 the reason why they're not successful is because they don't do it right. You know, you're going to have people that are going to have success for a year or two and they're going to fall off. Right. But at the same time, if you look at our track record, you know, one, we're recruiting our guys the right way. We're bringing in the right guys. And two, we got to a point now where we're graduating our guys on a consistent basis. Our guys that make it to year two and three, you know, they're graduating and they're going and getting great jobs and they're reaching back out to me and asking, should I leave this job for this job? You know, here's, here's what they're offering. And knowing that I've had that kind of impact on them, UNCP's had that kind of impact on them for them to reach back out to the alma mater and ask the college wrestling coach about career decisions. Let me know we did the right thing by them. And these are not guys that were world beaters. These are guys that were just program guys, you know, 
backers, pot starters, and, and guys that may not have ever even started for us are reaching back out and asking opinions about, hey, coach, I have this opportunity. What do you think? And that right there, in my opinion, is the biggest championships, knowing that I've made an impact on a guy that much that he's willing to call and ask my opinion about that, you know. And, and so when we started our UNCP Wrestling Alumni Group Me, where all these guys can talk and, 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 and chop it up, and we have almost 90 guys in there, even old dudes that don't know much about technology, that lets me know, hey, we're doing the right things. And this is where you we want to get you at the end of your career is to be a part of this fraternity, you know, so you can mix it up with guys that were that were here in the 80s and 90s and two, early 2000s. And guys, guys like that, you know, guys, guys want to be a part of that, that fraternity. And that's why we're not afraid to tell a guy, hey, here's an offer. You know, this is where we feel you are. And if things change from a performance standpoint, academic standpoint, we're, we're willing to up it, you know. But go shop yourself around. Go check out other schools. Go see what's out there. So when you're done and you decide to be a brave, you know there's nothing out there in the back of your mind that you, you're married to the right place. And you can you can enjoy this decision and walk around here with your head up high and, and compete you know, stress-free. You know, Avery's having a phenomenal freshman year, uh, you know, really good year, and, and we're very proud of him. But I can't tell you how many conversations Amy and I have had where we're like, man, he's at the right place. And it's not because of how, you know, it's not because he's starting as a true freshman. It's not because he's having some success. It's because, you know, those little conversations, with like we know when he came home for the for the winter, you know, we try to, you know, we don't talk to him that much when he's there. He'll reach out, you know, or whatever. We'll check it. How's it going? But we got five other kids here. You know what I mean? Not that we're not thinking about it. He's 18 years old and he needs to figure stuff out and, he, and he's adjusting really well. But it's like, we know you are genuinely looking out for his best interest as a human being. And even he said, when I picked him up um, for Thanksgiving and we're driving home and you know, I'm having those conversations with him. How do you feel? You know, do you feel like, and he's like, man, I know he loves me. Like, I know he cares about me. He's like, it's so obvious how much OT cares about me as a person. Like the wrestling is like a back burner thing. Um, and I know for him, like, you know, could he potentially wrestle at the division one level? Maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe. Um, but I think with him and I think in particular as a freshman, I think he would struggle. I think some kids don't understand like the jump it is from high school to collegiate athletics. And if you're especially in the, I don't even understand it, but especially in the sport of wrestling where I play college baseball, the commitment level from a wrestling standpoint, it's just a different, it's a different level of discipline, um, of physicality. And I think that that grind, if you're not having the opportunity to compete, like perform, like even the opportunity, I think it can shed a lot of kids away from the sport. I mean, I don't want to do this anymore. So I think finding the right fit from a sport like wrestling is even more magnified, you know, to go where you belong to where you can have the most impact. That's just my perspective. But anyway, I want to just say we, Amy and I, my wife are grateful that Avery found you and he's in the right, we feel extremely confident and comfortable that he's at not only the right fit, but with the right coach and the right staff and the right teammates. So we're very grateful for that. As we wrap up coach, the sports parents want to hear it, man. You, you've kind of shed light on a lot of things, but like, you know, I always want to try to end with some sort of tidbit. You know, you're someone who's doing this every day. What's a piece of advice in a minute or two that can help these parents whose kids do want to be college athletes, you know, who do want to get seen, who do want to get recognized? How should they go about it? Um, what are some pointers that you can give them? I mean, honestly, it's being in the trenches for damn near two decades now, man. It's, you know, I've, I've been super grateful. It's helped me and my wife as parents to, you know, ask those questions. When is it too early to ask the question to your kid? Do you see yourself playing college athletics? You know, and, and uh, we were having a conversation. I don't even remember when it happened. I think it was uh, during the softball season. Our daughter was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to play. I want to play college ball. And I told 
told my wife that, and she was like, oh, wow, really? She does, you know? And she does, great on her. If she doesn't, oh, well. You know, um, for me, one of the greatest things she's accomplished thus far in 14 years of living is she made the straight-A honor roll this fall. Nice. And so right there, that lets us know that she's uh, she's putting herself in the right place to be a college athlete. You know, unfortunately, I guess unfortunately, she's a female athlete, and the path to millions are not as fast as the male athletes that are in baseball, basketball, and football, right? So when she plays her college sports, if she plays her college sports, you know, she's going to have to do something outside of that, just like these college wrestlers are going to have to do something outside of college athletics. So, you know, just knowing that, you know, you have your kid's best interest at heart, you know, and if your kid does well in a, in a particular sport, you know, congratulate them, but make this their journey, you know, and I, I think sometimes people crap on camps. One, you need to get your kid away from yourself, take them to a camp, especially when they're in high school, and leave them alone. Let them go, let them spend the night, let them be with someone else, let them be on a college campus or a camp sighting that's away from you so they can understand, hey, mom and dad aren't here to coddle me, so to speak. And if your kid comes back and they enjoyed it and they don't text you or call you and say, come get me, that's the first step. And I think a lot of parents do not have the confidence to let their kid go. You know, there, there, there are hundreds, there are thousands of camps out there now that you can send your kids to. And we can't have a camp at our school without having background check on all of our athletes, even though our athletes have to have some sort of background check to be in school. They all have to have a background check to even run our camps. We have to have insurance. So letting your kid go, what is a three, four, five, seven-day camp without you is paramount to seeing if they're ready for the next level, to see if they're ready to play college athletics. If you're willing to do that and your kid calls back or come back and express their enjoyment of the camp, I think that's what the biggest step. And hey, stop asking for offers or start trying to go out there and beg for offers. Unfortunately, there there's only so many no Zions that are going to wow everyone when he's high school, you know, you know, the LeBron James, I can't imagine if LeBron James are around when technology is as vast as it is now, you know, not everyone's going to get that sign or, you know, offered a gazillion offers from gazillion schools. The opportunity to play college athletics, regardless of division is a privilege. Mm. And because your kid doesn't get offered by, I don't know, whatever big school doesn't make you less of a parent. Uh, and I think people misunderstand that less than 1% of high school kids are going to play college sports. And I said play college sports. I say get offered a scholarship. Unfortunately, and I wish we had full scholarship allotment at UNCP, I would say about 60% of our guys are walk-on. And they come here knowing that, hey, I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. And it's okay for your kid to not get an offer. And it's okay for your kid not to go on an official visit. That means very little. That means very little. One of our best wrestlers in our school history, Nick Daggett, came on one official visit. And that was after he came on three unofficial visits on his own dime. And I think that helped validate his decision to be a brave and be a Division II wrestler, which ultimately let him become a five-time national qualifier, four-time All-American, five-time academic All-American, because he chose the right school. And I think that's important for parents to understand. It's the right fit for your kid that's going to help him grow help her succeed academically, help her grow socially. And who knows, they might enjoy it when they're there and, you know, want to send the next kid from their high school there and vouch for that place. And, and, and unfortunately, not every kid is going to come to UNCP. And not, I'm okay with that. You know, there are great Division two, Division three, NAI, Division one schools out there. Not every kid is a Division one athlete. And parents need to be understanding of that. And that there are great Division two, II, Division three, NAI teams out there for all sports where kids can go and have a great experience 
and have a lot of success. Because 10, 20 years from now, someone's going to ask you, you play college sports, you're going to say, yeah, they're going to care zero about if it's Division One, Division Two, or Division Three. And parents need to understand there are dogs out there. I'll be naive to think that oh, Joe Seeley or Bo Bassett is coming to UNCP. Those guys are going to be at the highest level because those guys are dogs. <laughs> That's where they belong. They're different. That's just a reality situation. They're different. Yeah. <laughs> They're different. And your kid is not getting an offer from Penn State, Ohio State, NC State, because he's not different. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. At the end of the day, I think people need to realize that there are levels to this. And that's why those guys and girls get the offer they get, because they're built different. Man, I love it. Just, you know what? One thing I always want to make sure is people are coming on here. This is real live, firsthand insight, and it's going to be unfiltered. Like, it's true. If you can't handle the truth, then don't ask the question. Don't listen. But at the end of the day... You got a man right here who's, you know, doing at the highest level division two for years, who's shooting it straight with you, man. Just find the right fit. Coach OT, can't thank you enough, my man. Great friend, great coach, grateful my son's wrestling for you. Go in, hey, go in the natty this year, you guys. Man, let's get it. We're gonna give them hell, man. We're gonna we're gonna push these guys. We got a couple months here before we get to the dance. And you know, we still got some work to do. Obviously, ninth in the country is awesome, but it's not the end goal. The end goal is to get these guys growing as men. And ultimately to, uh, you know, push ourselves a little further on that ranking, or I guess a little lower on that ranking. But uh, you know, we're, we're super excited for the way our guys are growing as a team, how much they love each other and, you know, how much they back each other and, and how much they want to see each other succeed. So we're ready to make this last push here for, uh, for our championship run. OT Johnson, I appreciate you coming on, dog. Appreciate it, man. Keep doing your thing. Everybody, make sure you guys go out there, support, subscribe, leave a rating. And uh, let's get the word spread. Nick is doing a great job and uh, super proud of you, man. Super proud of what you're doing and super proud of uh, being a part of this. Looking forward to listening to the pod and hearing more and more successful big time come on here. And, uh, you know, and thanks for allowing me to be a part of these legends that you're bringing on. Man, you're one of them, man. I appreciate you. That's Coach Othello O.T. Johnson, sports parent and head wrestling coach at the University of North Carolina, Pembroke. Thanks for listening to the Reform Sports Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate it if you took a moment to rate and review our podcast as we work to grow our community of supporters and advocates. For more Reform Sports content, please subscribe to our newsletter and blog at reformsportsproject.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. 